Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin. Crypto.com, the crypto super app that lets you buy, earn, and spend crypto in one place. Download the Crypto.com app today. eToro is one of the largest trading platforms in the world, with over $1 trillion in trading volume on the platform per year. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets with transparent fees. Create an account today at eToro.com. That's E-T-O-R-O dot com. Crypto.Law, a.k.a. Kelman Law, is a New York law firm run by some of the first lawyers to enter crypto in 2013 with expertise in litigation, dispute resolution, and anti-money laundering. Email them at info at kelman.law. Today's guest is Elizabeth Stark, co-founder and CEO of Lightning Labs. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hey, Laura. It's great to be here. This week, you announced a $10 million Series A funding round led by Kraft Ventures. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been quite a week. (laughs) Yes, I know, because you emailed me very late last night, and I was like, hmm, she must have had a long day. Um, So at the same time, you also announced the beta launch of Lightning Loop, which is your first paid product. Why don't we talk about that first? What is Lightning Loop? Yeah, sure. So Lightning Loop is a product that we at Lightning Labs developed to make it more efficient to send and receive Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. And the nature of Lightning is such that you have amazing speed, amazing scalability, and very low fees, but there is a requirement of liquidity. And what that means is if you want to receive funds on Lightning, you need what we call inbound liquidity to do so. And then this is more obvious to the average individual, but if you want to send funds, you need you know funds on the side that you're going to send, so you need uh, the ability to, say, have money in your account. And so what Lightning Loop does is it helps people reallocate their funds in the network. So for example, if a lot of people have sent me funds on Lightning already, and I no longer have that inbound capacity or liquidity, as we call it, I then can no longer keep receiving those funds. So Lightning Loop can actually help people by moving their funds from Lightning back to the Bitcoin blockchain in a non-custodial manner so they could keep receiving. And then similarly, um, if you want to send funds on Lightning, you can actually refill your channel. Think of it as refilling an account using Lightning Loop by swapping funds from the Bitcoin blockchain onto Lightning. Um, so an analogy I sometimes use, um, loop in as we call it, when you refill your channel, is kind of like um, refilling a prepaid debit card or an account. Loop out is a little bit harder because we don't usually have that concept, but if you had a cash register full of cash and you actually had to take the cash out and then you can continue to receive money in that register. That's how that works. So we at Lightning Loop have built this product. We already had it in alpha, had quite a lot of startups involved. Um, some great folks like Fold have uh, been users of it, and it's helping their businesses. It's helping them more effectively send and receive funds on Lightning. And we've gotten a lot of good feedback so far, and we announced a beta with increased limits for people to be able to move their funds in and out of Lightning from the Bitcoin blockchain. And what have the limits been, and what are they now? So Lightning Network generally today has a limit of around $1,500 US per channel. 
Um, so channels are kind of like accounts on the network. If people open multiple channels between two participants. On Loop, there's also a transaction limit, um, which is 0.042 BTC. So it's about $300, $350, depending upon the price of Bitcoin at the day. Um, Loop originally was capped uh, previously at half that, so about $150 USD. Now um, it's up to around $300, $350. And th- that will stay in place while the caps are present on the Lightning Network more broadly. But there's something called Wumbo, kind of like Jumbo with a W, that is derived from SpongeBob. And credit yeah, to my co- co-founder, Lalu. I am not a SpongeBob. I just missed the whole SpongeBob thing, but he's really into it. Um, and that is about larger channel sizes on Lightning. So today we still have these limits in place. We chose to do so for safety and security reasons. Um, but with Wumbo, it will be opt in larger channel sizes. So um, the good news is somebody won't unintentionally open a massive channel and not realize what they're doing. But if they choose to do so, they'll be able to opt in and put more capital onto Lightning in these channels. Um, so with Wumbo uh, and the broader network, we'll also increase loop capacities as well. And so, as you mentioned, you know, the limits so far have been pretty small, but you did talk about some of the companies that were building on them. So what are the typical applications that companies are using Lightning for now? Yeah, so we've seen this the, a whole host of startups emerge, which has been really incredible. Um, less than two years ago at, at Lightning Labs, we released the beta version of our LND implementation of the Lightning Network. There are numerous implementations. There's uh, C Lightning from Blockstream. There's Eclair from Async. So we built ours, we, we released this beta. And since then, we've seen a whole new crop of startups emerge that didn't even exist prior to this. And many of them are focused on Lightning First. Um, so there are a few categories of these. Um, one that I know our head of operations, uh, Desiree Dickerson, loves is the, the rise of the Lightning gaming startup. So quite a few video game companies have emerged. There's uh, ZBD, Donner Lab, Satoshi's Games, um, where they're integrating Lightning payments into their video games. So I think that's a really cool use case. Um, we've seen a Lightning payment startups um, where you can buy things with Lightning. So we have Fold, um, BitRefill, OpenNode is helping people. Uh, uh, it's a payment processor. There's BTC Pay where merchants can integrate uh, Bitcoin and Lightning um, and run their own software in order to do so. So there's the ability to then pay with Lightning. Um, there's Lightning Pizza, which is a cool project from Fold where you can order pizza with Lightning. Um, and <laughs> in some cases with Fold, I believe you get sats back as well. Then we have the earning with Lightning companies. Um, there's a great one called Stack. I mean, look, who doesn't want more Bitcoin? I want more Bitcoin, right? So <laughs> people think of Lightning as people spending Bitcoin, but there's actually huge potential for people earning Bitcoin as well. So Stack is a really great startup. Um, just saw the founder last night um, where people can complete these small tasks. If you know Amazon Mechanical Turk, and then they earn Satoshis on Lightning. Because think about it this way. If you wanted to pay people around the world in a variety of different countries to do small value tasks and you wanted to do it with, you know, in the fiat system, good luck. You know, that's just not going to be possible. So stack is a great way to complete tasks, do this micro work and earn on, uh, with lightning. And then there are uh, companies like Tippin and a variety of products where you can actually tip people and again, earn, you know, people can actually make money with Lightning. And then we see the rise of the Lightning financial startup. And there are quite a few of these as well. Uh, River Financial, for example, and Disclosure, personally, in my personal capacity, I'm an advisor. Um, they are, they've integrated LND Lightning where you can deposit and withdraw and you can buy Bitcoin uh, with dollars and withdraw directly in Lightning, or you can uh, deposit and then sell for USD. Um, we have Escher, which is building a Lightning uh, native API, 
Uh, we have SparkSwap, which is doing trading. Um, we have Zap, which is doing um, OTC. You can uh, transact uh, between USD and Lightning. Um, so we have a whole host of those, and then we have the wallets. Um, there's some great ones like Breeze, Moon. Zap is also working on a wallet. There's Blue Wallet, Wallet of Satoshi. So there's really been just this huge ecosystem that has emerged um, in less than two years. And uh, this past fall, we co-organized a Lightning Conference. We had 500 uh, developers, enthusiasts, community members in Berlin. People came from all around the world, you know, every continent. And it was incredible to see that in person and to really see it be tangible and to enter this world of Lightning where everyone was buying, there was a Lightning beer tap, a Lightning cocktail bot, you could buy ice cream, uh, hot chocolate, all sorts of interesting things with Lightning. You could play video games with Lightning. Um, there was a Lightning scooter. There was a Tesla coil where when you paid it, it actually sparked. Like, who knew that would be possible, right? <laughs> Yesterday, um, I actually live on a Yahoo Finance live stream, uh, our head of operations, and I fed the chickens on Pollo feed. And um, <laughs> so, you know, what I love about this community is, you know, there are real businesses being built on top of it, but there are also these crazy use cases. You were like, wait, if I... If I thought a few years ago that the tech we were building was going to help us feed chickens, like, who knew? But hey, it happened. (laughs) Right. I'm actually, oh, man, was it Chris Dixon or was it Fred Wilson? One of them said something like, um, you know, the technologies that will be big someday start off uh, looking like games and like fun to people. Um, Yeah, I think that's Chris Dixon from Andreessen. Yeah. So that's like a toy. Yeah. Yeah. And a couple other things I just wanted to refer back to for people who don't know, which I suspect is just a small percentage of my listeners. But just in case, um, when Elizabeth talked about earning sats back, that's Satoshi's and a Satoshi is the smallest unit of Bitcoin, which is uh, eight decimal places. Exactly. So today, one Satoshi is about nine thousandths of a cent. And it's interesting because in the Lightning community, we've actually moved to the sats denomination and uh there's a whole <laughs> meme around stacking sats and i like i like the earning sats one too maybe we need more alliteration there um <laughs> but the community in the lightning world actually operates in satoshis which i think is really interesting and different and you're like wow i got ten thousand satoshis and you're like oh wait it's actually just 10 cents but you know <laughs> yeah but i do think that like there is something about um, thinking about money in new ways or, or something. There's just, it's like a new behavior and like something new. Um, like I remember when you and I met in person and you showed me a shoot, I forget the name of it, but the, the clock, um, or yeah, not the clock, clock, sorry, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's this little, um, I don't know what you call it. It's like a, it, it, you can make a sign and it like will flip these letters, but you, basically like pay with lightning and then you can tell it what sign you want to put up there. So I, of course I said like something like you have to listen to unchained. Um, I saw that. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so for people who didn't know that, and then the other thing I wanted to mention or ask you about actually was, you know, you talked about how lightning loop is uh, enabling payment processing, but obviously, you know, we've had payment processors in Bitcoin before. How is lightning lightning loop different from the previous Bitcoin payment processors? Totally. One quick correction. 1,000 sats is 10 cents. I just did the math in my head. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So Lightning Loop is not an end user interface. So companies that are facilitating payments will use Loop, if that makes sense. Um, so Fold, a company that you know is enabling people to purchase with Lightning at major retailers, order Lightning Pizza. I believe they operate via gift cards where then you can get discounts and you also get sats back. 
So Fold is going to be the user of our product. So it's more oh, of right. a, the, the customers are the startups and then the end users will interact with Fold. Um, so although it's not a perfect analogy by any means, but, you know, Stripe is a company where, you know, if Fold was using credit cards, they would interact with Stripe and then Fold would work with Stripe and Fold would work with the end user. So Stripe is not a perfect analogy because we don't charge per transaction on the network. The network is an open protocol. Anyone can build on top of it, but we're building tools and, and Loop is the first of several that will make it more efficient and easier. And by improving that efficiency, um, the goal is we work with these startups and we empower them to build their businesses. So does that make sense? So we're not building an end user product where BTC Pay is another great example of if you're a merchant, and you want to integrate Bitcoin and Lightning, you can run BTC Pay. Um, and we're not building that merchant front end, uh, although merchants might actually be interested in Loop via something like BTC Pay as well. Right, right. And and But one key piece also is that um, they don't actually take custody uh, when they do it. So it enables the... Yes, and, and like, Loop itself right. is non-custodial. And that's a really important point as a business. At Lightning Labs, you know, we don't want to hold other people's money. We think that this technology opens up this new world where, you know, never before have you been able to have financial products where you don't have custody. You know, in the pre-Bitcoin world, you know, a bank had to have your funds or if you were trading securities, a broker had to hold your securities. There was not this concept of non-custodial financial products. Um, but these exactly. new technologies enable that. So we as a company are focused on that. You know, I don't want to build a bank. I don't want to hold other people's money. I know there are a lot of regulatory questions around holding <laughs> other people's money. So we are just building the technical infrastructure to make it possible to people for people to do things with their funds. All right. So in a moment, we're going to discuss more about Lightning Loop as well as Lightning Labs' Series A. But first, a quick word from the sponsors who make this show possible. Crypto.Law is run by crypto OGs in New York who understand crypto and fintech. They were already operating in the space back in 2013, and they accept crypto as payment. One of the partners, Zachary Kelman, is known for drafting a bill submitted to the U.S. Congress in 2014 aimed at exempting on-chain Bitcoin transactions from U.S. regulations. The other founding partner, his brother Daniel Kelman, became well-known in the crypto law space for his work in the Mt. Gox civil rehabilitation. So if you operate a fintech business or have a dispute with some person or business involving crypto, or you just need legal advice related to crypto, info at kelman.law. That's K-E-L-M-A-N dot law, or just go to their website at www.crypto.law. When you think crypto, think Kelman. Are you interested in getting into the cryptocurrency markets, but don't know where to start building your portfolio? eToro has the answer for you. It's called CopyTrader by eToro. With CopyTrader, you can automatically copy every trade of eToro's top crypto traders at the exact price in real time. No need to study up on markets or develop your own strategies. Simply sign up and copy the trader of your choice. Any profits they make, you do too, proportional to your investment. With eToro, you get access to the world's most popular cryptocurrencies with transparent trading fees, all in one easy-to-use app. Copy the smart money with eToro. Join now at eToro.com. That's E-T-O-R-O dot com. Back to my conversation with Elizabeth Stark of Lightning Labs. So um, as you mentioned, you know, your Lightning Labs will not be charging per transaction, but how will Lightning Labs make money from Loop? So Loop is already in production and people are already using it and we're already taking fees on this. So there's a, a percentage fee, which can vary in terms of the amount that you transact in Loop. So for example, you don't always need Loop when you're transacting, but let's say um, you're a company and then you've gotten a lot of inbound payments and now you need additional liquidity or you know ability to receive inbound payments. 
then you would do a loop, as we call it, and that would give you the liquidity and capacity to receive funds. So we take a percentage on that um, transaction, if that makes sense. So broadly speaking, um, there's a, a volume that will occur on the loop product, and then we take a small fee on that. And going back to your $10 million raise, which we sort of glossed over at the beginning, what do you plan to do with that money? Yeah, totally. First of all, I just want to say, um, this, you don't often hear this, you know, from founders, or maybe they say it publicly, but they don't actually mean it. But our I, our investors have been amazing, and I'm really grateful to be working with them. And they're all fans of Lightning. Just yesterday, we were with our new board member who was wearing his Hodlo Not t-shirt, right? You know, it's like, how many VCs <laughs> wear Hodlo Not t-shirt, Murray. you know? And exactly. Yeah, Brian Murray. Uh, of course. Um, yeah. So... We brought together an amazing group of people that really care deeply about this ecosystem. And a lot of them are also funding the onward startups that are building on Lightning. Um, but as a company, I don't see this fundraise in and of itself as an accomplishment. To me, it's a means to an end. And the end is really building out the technology, building the developer ecosystem, building the startups. And our focus as a company as well, like, I want to build for real users. I want to enable real use cases. I want to solve real problems. And I do think at a higher level, some part of the community broadly in cryptocurrency has lost touch with that. And I'm trying to really bring this to, you know, solving real problems with real users and making these things easier to use. Um, so for the funding, the, the main goal is really to continue building out the technology, um, to build out the business. Most of the money will likely go to hiring. You know, we as a startup are not spending huge amounts of money. We have ICOs out there with hundreds of millions of dollars and we've shipped in many cases, I think way more than that in on a couple million. Um, so the goal is really to build out the technology, um, hire some great people. I don't want to, I don't believe in, you know, hiring a hundred people at once, you know, we'll hire high impact individuals that can really make a difference. I was once actually chatting with somebody who was a big name in the financial world and explaining lightning and, you know, Bitcoin today is a $170 billion economy. And, and they said to me, Oh, how many people do you have? 500. And I said at that time, we're 11. <laughs> so really the impact and the scale at which we can build things, I think, is is different from what you see in a lot of uh, the traditional financial world because, you know, individual developers and team members can have a huge impact. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, even the Lightning Protocol itself, today amongst the implementations, you know, that, that are out there for mainnet, I think less than 10 full-time uh, protocol developers, which is wild. Of course, we at Lightning Labs are working on um, some other products, as you know. But in terms of the core protocol, there really aren't very many people out there. Yeah, well, I mean, this is something I think about a lot because I do feel like the technology can replace a lot of the people at these huge financial services firms, which, yeah. I, I and another wonder. note on the fundraise, so we have both great people from the tech side of things, and then we brought in a lot of the people from the financial world that are getting really interested and excited about uh, Lightning. So we had a lot of that, New York financial representation because they understand the potential of Bitcoin to be um, this internet money and both as a global store of value, but a global transaction platform and a global trading platform. So, uh, and we also had people with the, the broader perspective internationally. So the goal was to bring together people from a variety of different areas of expertise. Yeah, well, that's, I was going to ask you about this because some of your investors were like really traditional financial people. You know, there was yeah. Howard Morgan of Renaissance Technologies, ARCA Group, and First Round Capital. There was John Pfeffer, formerly of private equity firm KKR. So I was curious to know, like, what is it like making a pitch to an investor from traditional finance? Like, do they tend to have 
different questions or do they tend to have a different perspective on the potential in the technology? Or do you find that they, you know, more and more just have a typical kind of crypto mindset? Yeah, we also have uh, Ross Stevens, the CEO of Stone Ridge, which is, I believe, a 16 billion asset manager, David B. Heller, who was a global co-head of securities at Goldman Sachs. So, I mean, these people believe in Bitcoin, right? So in my experience, if somebody is super skeptical, you know, converting them can take a while. But when people understand the potential here, um, and for the, John Pfeffer, by the way, has done amazing work in funding the Bitcoin developer ecosystem and has written, um, great research around it. So, you know, we're not converting people that thought, you know, Bitcoin was a joke, right? We're, we're working with people that see this potential. Um, but, you know, Howard Morgan has a great computer science background. I had some great technical discussions where I was explaining lightning routing and the variety of the technologies we're building. And he just got it because he was like, Oh, I worked on similar things in the, in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was so interesting and cool. Um, so from our standpoint, these are people that understand that, you know, there's a massive future for Bitcoin and they see the potential of lightning. And I, I think we're seeing more and more of that in the traditional financial world. And I love the forward thinking visions that, that are coming along with it. And I mean, earlier, you know, you talked about how you do plan to hire and stuff for your with your new round of investment. But I was also wondering, like, what are some of the problem areas that you feel need to be solved with this technology that you'd like to work on? Definitely. So one of the big areas for Bitcoin more broadly, and that's also present in Lightning, is Bitcoin is not terribly easy to use today, right? You have this like complicated address, either BC1 or starting with a three or starting with a one. People don't typically think it's easy to use. Now, Lightning has been, you know, on mainnet with variety, a variety of betas for less than two years, right? Um, 22 months or so. So we know that it's not there yet, but to me, getting toward a world in which Lightning is really usable, in some cases, users might not even know they're using it. I think that's quite a possibility moving forward, say, fast forward five years from now, I think is key. And, um, you know, ideally users are just transacting either via QR codes or, you know, there can be NFC type technologies in apps where it's seamless and it's super simple. Things even like uh, backups for non-custodial wallets can get challenging. So one of the big challenges I see and something I'm really passionate about is how can we design this technology so that the end users can interact with it more effectively and, um, we're seeing a lot of great wallets out there that have been working on this as well and trying to make lightning more usable. And so, for Lightning Labs, I want us, uh, we just had, uh, we do these things called roundtables. We had one for uh, companies integrating LND and then one for the walls building upon LND. And we want to know, you know, what their needs are in terms of the infrastructure and the protocol. So I see this new crop of wallets that has emerged as a way to make this technology more usable and bring it to a, a wider variety of people. And for example, I um, just we can have to go um, video conference into Venezuela. I've never been there. Would love to go one day to a meetup there. And they were discussing lightning and it was kind of a surprise appearance. And it was really cool. And they actually created their own lightning torch internally at the meetup and people were sending <laughs> the funds around. So to me, if we can get to a point where this technology um, is more usable and more accessible, you know, I believe it'll happen, but it's, it just takes time and, and we need to progress the infrastructure. We need to build better usable interfaces. I think uh, Jack Muller's at Zap has done an incredible job um, with that. You know, there are quite a few uh, wallets out there where people are really thinking about um, making the technology more usable. Yeah, yeah. I watched his video last week of his new Strike app and I was like, oh, like this, you know, it's like similar to what you were saying where like you could use the technology and not know it. Exactly. It was, it was very seamless. Yeah. And 
an analogy I like to use is, well, email, right? So there's an underlying protocol called SMTP that powers the email that people are using, but people don't know they're using SMTP. They just know they're sending and receiving messages. So similarly, I can see a day in the future where people are sending and receiving with Lightning and they don't even fully realize um, that Lightning is underlying it, but it's powering a lot of what they're doing on the internet in terms of sending and receiving money. Um, there have also been um, some applications that have emerged that are Lightning chat applications where people are actually sending messages on the network. And that has become a little bit controversial. It's funny how there are like developer controversial things in the community um, because some people think it's spam. But right now, the way that it's constructed in the protocol, it doesn't. you don't have to guarantee a payment, but that's actually going to change. But Yoast... Uh, Jaeger on the Lightning Labs team has, in his personal capacity, built an app called WhatsApp um, that is a way to send and receive on the command line. And then people have been building UIs. Uh, the company Stack has built Sphinx, which is a Lightning chat app. So people are sending tiny fractions of the penny in order to send and receive messages. So the idea that Lightning in and of itself can be a broader data layer is emerging, um, where there are a variety of different applications where you can send small value payments along with them. So that's been something interesting to see evolve as well. Oh, interesting. I I haven't heard of that. Um, Yeah, it's it's new. There's always new progress in this community. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what uh, I like to, you know, uh, keep my eye on is all sort of the fun little things going on. All right. Well, congratulations again on your raise. And thanks for coming on Unconfirmed. Thanks for having me. Don't forget, next up is the news recap. Stick around for This Week in Crypto after this short break. Crypto.com. Have you seen the MZO Visa card? A metal card loaded with perks, up to 5% back and unlimited airport lounge access. They pay for your Spotify and Netflix too. What's not to love? Crypto.com has recently launched its exchange and crypto fundraising platform, The Syndicate. There was a 50% off Atom listing event on February 12th, 2020. Sign up on the Crypto.com exchange now. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's news recap. First headline, Crypto Mom proposes three-year safe harbor period for token sales. On Thursday, in a speech at the 4th International Blockchain Congress in Chicago, SEC Commissioner Hester Peirce proposed a safe harbor for token sales, in which projects would have a three-year grace period after the sale, after the first sale, during which they could work toward a certain level of decentralization, which she calls network maturity and defines thus, quote, Network maturity is the status of a decentralized or functional network that is achieved when the network is either 1. not controlled and is not reasonably likely to be controlled or unilaterally changed by any single person, entity, or group of persons or entities under common control, or 2. functional, as demonstrated by the ability of holders to use tokens for the transmission and storage of value, to prove control over the tokens, to participate in an application running on the network, or in a manner consistent with the utility of the network. Judging from the reaction on crypto Twitter, most people at least recognize this is a significant step. Blockchain President and Chief Legal Officer Marco Santori tweeted, Quote, it is an elegant solution to the most complex legal challenge of this crypto era. It's a logical and sensible continuation of the SAFT framework we proposed back in 2017. Follow the securities laws while investor risks predominate. Follow consumer regs once consumer protection risks dominate. Give it some time to evolve from one to the other. Next up, we're going to talk about a few different Ethereum updates. ETH 2.0 is to launch in late Q2. 
The blog reports that Ethereum 2.0's beacon chain may be ready to launch by the middle of the year. Currently in a testnet phase using just one software client, the team plans to try out a testnet with at least two compatible software clients for increased resilience of the network before launching. ETH2 now plans to roll out with 64 shards instead of the originally planned 1,024. Aztec brings privacy to Ethereum. In other Ethereum news, Aztec launched its privacy network on Ethereum, including a software development kit in order for decentralized apps to incorporate ZKDAI, which is a private version of the stablecoin DAI and hides the amount transacted. Consensus lays off 14%, restructures into software development and investment units. Ethereum Venture Studio Consensus is splitting in two, partly due to the difficulty it had raising money with both investing and software development activities under one roof. Now, the software development arm is targeting a raise of $200 million. Ryan Selkis of Masari wrote in his newsletter that they are aiming for a valuation of between $400 million to $600 million pre-money and that the company is currently doing revenue under $50 million a year. Next headline, a new population hit by the coronavirus, Bitcoin miners. Due to the prolonged holiday in China, (laughs) quotes around holiday, inspired by the coronavirus, some of the largest Bitcoin mining equipment manufacturers, including Bitmain, MicroBT, and Kanan, are suspending shipments of mining equipment, as well as their manufacturing and customer service operations. This comes at a time when demand for mining equipment is high, ahead of the Bitcoin halving expected in May, which is when the number of new coins being minted with every block will be cut in half from 12.5 bitcoins to 6.25. One market observer believes that since the hashing rate on the network is likely to rise, this disruption could affect the miners' profitability. Next headline, MasterCard Chief on Libra. From financial inclusion to Facebook's wallet, MasterCard Chief Ajay Banga dished to the Financial Times about why the credit card network pulled out of Libra, and it's mainly due to concerns over compliance and its business model. He said the Libra Association's key members would not put in writing a commitment to, quote, not do anything that is not fully compliant with local law. As examples, he cited know your customer and anti-money laundering processes, as well as data management issues. He also was discomfited by how Libra was marketed as a financial inclusion tool, but that Facebook wanted to link it to a proprietary digital wallet, Calibra. He says, quote, it went from this altruistic idea into their own wallet. I'm like, this doesn't sound right. Caught on tape, Novogratz says XRP will underperform, underperform immensely. Coindesk obtained an illicit tape from a conference in which Galaxy Digital CEO Mike Novogratz said XRP would, quote, underperform immensely again this year. He said this was due to the fact that Ripple owns 60 billion of the 100 billion coins. He said, quote, when I'm buying a stock, if I know someone's selling $10 billion worth of it at some price, it makes me less excited to buy the stock. Hilariously, Galaxy has invested $23.8 million into Ripple, the company, and values at stake in Ripple at $27.6 million. After getting some pushback by Ripple, Novogratz further elaborated on his stance with a few tweets, saying XRP was still in the proving phase and that Bitcoin has taken the role of store of value. 
He added, XRP has a fervent community, mostly in Asia, but a large supply of about 57% to absorb. He said, quote, The price of XRP will be determined like all prices. If there are more buyers than sellers, and the company has a lot of control here, the price will rise. The company needs to distribute in a rational way, at the same time building a real and scalable use case. Next headline, Back's consumer app to debut by mid-2020. In an earnings call, ICE CEO Jeffrey Sprecher said Back's continued acquisition of Bridge2 Solutions will, quote, accelerate the second phase of our digital asset strategy. Bridge2 Solutions provides loyalty rewards programs. The blog reports that the application will be available in the first half of this year and that will enable users to pay at any merchant and also convert between digital assets such as Bitcoin, loyalty points, and in-game rewards. Now time for fun bits. There are two fun bits this week. The first is, Multicoin outperforms Bitcoin over the last two years. There's a nice profile in Forbes by my former colleague Jeff Coughlin of Multicoin Capital's Kyle Samani and Tushar Jain, both of whom have been on my podcasts. Kyle kicks things off with this first quote, two years from now, Zcash is worth zero. (laughs) And later, Union Square Ventures' Fred Wilson chimes in that Kyle, quote, can be a little controversial and aggressive. It talks about how they bet 15% of their portfolio on BNB token and saw an eightfold return, but that one of their investments, EOS, was a bust. The only line I quibble with in this profile is where Jeff says, quote, Jane and Samani are also pound the table Bitcoin bulls. <laughs> the last few times I talked to Kyle, perhaps every time I've talked to Kyle, he was not what I would describe as a Bitcoin bull. Uh, But perhaps since I last spoke to him, others on his team have pulled him to their side. Either way, this is a great profile on two of the more unabashed and outspoken investors in this space. And last comment, you have to check out the article, if only because Kyle and Tushar are wearing matching navy blazers with crisp white button downs, and they definitely get a 10 on style for the photo shoot. Last fun bits. So this this second fun bits is a hilarious meme that I saw on crypto Twitter, and it's about the upcoming Bitcoin having or happening, as some of you call it, which, by the way, is that because you don't know how that happening is not a word or is it because that you're trying to be funny, like flippening? I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to be a horrible tease and say that because this is one of those memes where you just have to see it you're going to have to just click through, like look in the show notes and then click through and just look at it. Because I tried writing this up for audio and describing it all for you, but it just doesn't work. It like loses all the funniness. So let me just say that I'm sure for those of you who do click through that at least the compulsive Bitcoin watcher price watchers will get a chuckle out of this. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. To learn more about Elizabeth, Lightning Labs, and Loop, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast player. If you enjoy these news recaps, then why not sign up for The Real Deal, the weekly newsletter I publish every Friday. Some of you have asked me for the links to the stories I mentioned on the show, and now you can get them delivered right to your inbox. Go to unchainedpodcast.com right now to sign up. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Fact of Recording, Anthony Yoon, Daniel Ness, Josh Durham, and the team at CLK Transcription. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 